Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in, everybody, to a jam-packed Monday edition of Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Jad Chambers, we are ready to roll. Holy smokes, what a weekend of football, what a weekend for the teams we care about, and what a weekend in general in both college, in the pros. Take a deep breath, everybody. Did you survive it? We've got betting involved now. It was a whirlwind of a weekend. I... The NFL especially, like, I, I could barely even handle it. That was a lot, but, it man, it was fun, and it was a great weekend for teams around here. Good morning, Tommy. Happy Monday. Hey, happy Monday, Jacob. Uh, I'm exhausted. Just a lot going on over the weekend, and, uh, man, just exciting, crazy, wild, whatever adjective you want to use to describe it, it was all there over the weekend, both in the college ranks and NFL and, uh, man, I'm ready for the next couple hours. going to be a lot of fun. Oh, man. And, and did I see you got your day started off right by getting stuck in a broken car wash? <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah, all I wanted to do this morning was run my car through the car wash. And, uh, you know, it rained over the weekend. And my car was outside. And I'm halfway through the car wash. And it just, I, everything shuts down. I'm just stuck in the car wash. I'm like, guys, I got to go. I got to talk football. Like, get me out of this car wash. But uh, was able to make it in time, so things are good. Oh, man, uh, that's brutal. But at least it gave you some time to really think about and evaluate the weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see how a, much how, how better my thoughts are. What a wild, wild weekend. Let's start in the NFL, and let's start with the Chiefs. Um, and we'll get to KU's big win. We'll get to K-State's big win. We'll get to all of it, the, the NFL in general, all the storylines developing, uh, some massive college football upsets. It was nuts. It was nuts at every level. Um, but let's start with the Chiefs. 869-1240. If you want to weigh in with your Chiefs thoughts, we'll do that here. Uh, and we'll hit this a couple of different times. But we'll start there. Um, I, I guess I'll start this way, Tommy. 44-21 over the Cardinals. Were you more impressed by the Chiefs' offense or were you more impressed by the Chiefs' defense in this game? I was more impressed by the Chiefs' offense. You know, I, I know that the defense played really well, you know, despite a couple of, 
garbage time touchdowns at the end of the game from Arizona. Uh, I thought the defense played superb, but I was more impressed offensively just to see how, you know, everybody has talked about, oh, what's going to happen offensively for Kansas City? How are they going to replace Tyreek Hill? Has Travis Kelsey lost a step? What does the running back room look like? And Patrick Mahomes just took all of that and just said, I'm good. Like, we're good. We're solid. Nothing to worry about here. It's business as usual. Uh, You know, some fresh faces, but we're going to go out and we're going to put the hammer down. And that's exactly what they did. So I think all in all, I mean, both both units played superb in that game. uh, But I was more impressed by the offense. Yeah, I you know. I think I was more impressed by the defense because I sort of expected the offense to still be awesome. I never did buy into the offense is going to take a step back. Now, explosive, I thought, yeah, it'll take a step back because you lose maybe the most explosive offensive player in football. But in general, I like what the Chiefs did in the offseason. I like the way that they reacted. You know, my biggest concern for the offense is the health of, you know, the wide receiver room. But in this game, they were healthy. And when they're healthy, that's a lot of targets for Patrick Mahomes. The offense, we we saw last year, late in the year, what this offense was going to become. The question for me was, would they run the ball more? And I don't think they're going to. But we knew that Patrick Mahomes had made the adjustment to what the NFL did to him early last year when he struggled by his own standards. And that was he's going to, okay, you want to play deep on me? We'll just, we'll take it bits and pieces. We'll still continue a, you know, a pace that we like and we'll go. And I thought, you know, look, Patrick Mahomes isn't going to throw for 360 yards and five touchdowns every week. That won't happen. But I do think that we got a pretty good idea of what the Chiefs want to do. They want to pepper Travis Kelsey with targets, which they did, right? And they want to mix in a combination of Juju Smith-Schuster. MVS, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, McKinnon, and Sky Moore, for the most part. I mean, that's a lot of different targets that they're going to throw at people. That, and, and that's what they want to do, and that's what they're going to do. And, you know, health will be a big part of it. I think Sky Moore has the opportunity to step in should either one of the top two guys go down, which they probably will at some point. They both have an injury history. But Kelsey got his targets. Mahomes looked great. The line looked great. I thought Pacheco did a really nice job to balance things out. There, I don't think the Chiefs are ever going to line up and run it, you know, a ton. But they had a nice mix and a nice balance yesterday. They scored 44 points and gained almost 500 yards. Of course that's going to feel good. But, Tommy, I felt better about the defense because Arizona had a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Fine. The game was getting out of hand. That happens. But when we look at when the game was, you know, in hand and, you know, everybody's at full speed, and the Chiefs' defense looked really good, and that's not a bad offense. Now, they're not totally healthy. I get that, but that's not a bad offense, and that's a dynamic quarterback that they slowed down. Rushing quarterbacks have killed them in the past. Kyler Murray didn't kill them on the ground. He had one long run, and that was about it, and they did a good job, and you know they were making plays. They're going to have to keep it up because they face another fantastic offense on a short week. Um against the Chargers this week, but if they can defend and if they can hold teams to around this number, 21, 20 points, which I think they were even better than that, again, that's what's going to make the Chiefs even more dangerous. And as we sit there and everyone was like, holy crap, the Bills look unbeatable. 
I thought the Chiefs had the most impressive week one in the NFL. They looked really good. Uh, like I said, on both sides of the ball, Legereus Sneed had eight tackles and a sack. Carlos Dunlap, which really, I think, sort of went under the radar over the offseason about what you know he was going to look like coming into Kansas City with the, the young uh, draft picks coming in, Karloftis and Trip McDuffie and some of these other acquisitions during the offseason. Not a lot of people were really talking about Carlos Dunlap coming into Kansas City. He had three tackles or three and a half tackles and a sack in, in the game. Um, and I liked what Karloftis did. I mean, he, he had finished with one tackle, but he had a, he had a pretty great uh, tipped pass at one point from Kyler Murray. And so, you know, just that, like we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, the athleticism and the speed defensively for Kansas City, what, what, that's going to be the key for them to move forward and to continue to improve on that side of the ball. And I think that they showed that uh, against Arizona. Offensively, you mentioned the balance. You mentioned the running game. And you mentioned Isaiah Pacheco, who had a touchdown. I really thought Jarek McKinnon ran the ball great. I mean, he only got a few touches, but when he when he had the touches, he made the most of it. He averaged five and a half yards a carry. So I thought he looked good. And Clyde Edwards-Elair was, uh, was a factor both running the football and catching the football, too. And so I really like that balanced attack for sure. Remember all of the people that were talking about, you know, Travis Kelsey, and obviously he's the best tight end in the NFL. But there were I, I heard people during the offseason watching TV and whatnot saying, well, Travis Kelsey's another year older. Is he potentially going to lose a step? I mean, he's 33, 34 years old now. He didn't lose a step at all. You know, the the catches, the the touchdown, um, he was able to get separation on multiple occasions. And even without Tyreek Hill opposite of Travis Kelsey, and even though Tyreek Hill got, a, or even though Travis Kelsey, I'm sorry, got a ton of attention, still felt like he was able to get his, and that that's going to continue, I think. I don't think Travis Kelsey has lost his step whatsoever. No, I, so, yeah. I don't know who was saying that, but that's that's hot garbage. I mean, there's no there's nothing that would indicate to us that Kelsey has lost a step. It's a position right. that guys age well. If you remember some of the all-time greats, you know, Tony Gonzalez, of course, for Kansas City, played forever. Uh, Antonio Gates played forever. Jason Witten played forever. Some of the recent Rob Gronkowski didn't play as long, but was really good all the way until he decided he wanted to be done playing. Tight end is a position where guys play a long time. And in my opinion, and I'm, I'm looking ahead to some degree in this because there's still work to be done. I think that Travis Kelsey's the best pass catching tight end that the league's ever had. Um, I've thought that for a couple of years. He'll have to do some things, you know, in longevity to get it to that point historically. But that's the kind of talent I think he is. And there, he's never done anything that would make me think, oh, yeah, Travis Kelsey's lost his step. Like, no, he's still he's still as good or better than he ever has been. Now, granted, we're coming off of a really, really good game. But Travis Kelsey's going to get targeted a ton. I'll be surprised if he ever catches fewer than five balls in a game. I mean, he's just too good. He's too. He, he gets open, and he's a great. You know, every, everything he does, he's elite at. And and we know Travis Kelsey is Patrick Mahomes' boy, so they're going to work it that way. Uh, Pacheco was was encouraging, and I don't know. You know, we've got to see too because the Cardinals were a little banged up on defense. We got to see, you know, what what sticks here after a few games. And I think the chargers will be a good test, but then we're going to get to the chargers and that's a short week. So who knows, right? Short weeks are weird and wacky things happen on short weeks. 
So who knows there? And the Chargers got a big win yesterday, and they you know survived turning the ball over against the Raiders, which is a credit to their defense. I suspect Thursday will be a tougher test defensively for the Kansas City offense. For the Kansas City defense, you know, again, it's a short week, but they won't face a more dynamic offense than they will. And I think Keenan Allen may be out for the Chargers. And we'll get more on this with Dan Israel tomorrow because it is a short week. Everything gets escalated, like, real quick. All of a sudden, we're, you know, it's like today is what? What what would today now be on a normal week? A, a Tuesday? So, no, it would be even later in the week than that. It'd be like a Thursday. So, I mean, they're, all, they're in game prep mode right now for the Chargers, like on the way home last night. And that'll be a good test. But Arizona's a good test. Arizona won its first 10 games last year. I mean, this isn't some pushover team that the Chiefs absolutely steamrolled yesterday. And make no mistake, they steamrolled them. I mean, before the fourth quarter when Arizona got the couple of touchdowns or whatever, I mean, this was a, this was a, a bloodbath. I mean, the Chiefs were killing them. Yeah, they and were. Here and, we and go. I don't, yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to damper the the excitement whatsoever. But the only thing coming out of that game, the only worry that I have coming into a short week against the Chargers is that the Chiefs did look a little banged up at the very end of the game. You know, Mahomes injured his wrist. It looks like MRIs are, are good, um, but he did say it was sore. Obviously, Harrison Butker, we know, uh, injure, injured his ankle early in the game. Justin Reed had to kick a couple extra points and, and do a couple kickoffs, and, and Butker was back, but we'll see what that looks like. Trey Smith went down. Willie Gay uh, was injured. Justin Watson was injured. Trent McDuffie was injured. So there, there are some injury concerns coming into a short week against the Chargers. Uh, they're not going to be as you know, fully healthy as they were going into week one and with a short turnaround. That's the only thing that I can think of. But other than that, everything moved pretty solidly for Kansas City. And, you know, the, the Chargers are just as banged up, quite frankly. I mean, if they lose Keenan Allen for this game, that's as significant yeah. as anything. And, and the early line on that game, by the way, three points for the Chiefs, mm. um, which... I went ahead and grabbed because I don't think it's going to stay there, and I haven't looked this morning. Uh, we get a, a sheet from BetQL, which is our Odyssey you know, betting app, and that had that as a really appetizing early number to grab for the Chiefs. You know, we, we saw the Chiefs line rise in all our betting insiders last week, and we had three of them on, all told us, yeah, we still like the Chiefs. I mean, that's how... The sharp money apparently was really on the Chiefs. And we we all were, of course, when it was three and a half points. We liked it there. I got a little leery at six. Um, I told but, you but I'd we take still them at nine it. or ten. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm taking them at three this week. But I'm hesitant. I mean, it's scary to take three against a team that good when you don't know what your kicker's doing. But but I'll take it on a short week coming back home. You know, there, there's a lot of advantages in coming back home. The Chargers are the ones that have to travel. Um they didn't have to travel last week, though, so it'll be I, man. What a Thursday night opener! Are you kidding me? That that I, I mean, goodness gracious, that's going to be fantastic. But yeah, I'm I'm on the Chiefs there, and this is this is chip on the shoulder. What we saw yesterday was chip on the shoulder, Chiefs. Right, mm -hmm. that's when the Chiefs are at their best, and you know it was there. They've been people have been talking about it all off season. We have too. Their schedule is brutal this year. They replaced a lot of key cogs offensively, basically the entire wide receiver room, and they rebuilt the defense. 
Those are all legitimate question marks. I don't buy into. Here's here's what, and I don't think you and I have ever talked about this, Tommy. There is a real, uh, I don't want to call it a problem, but it it's a thing. Like when you follow a lot of the Chiefs media, it's like they it's like they're in that locker room. Like if anybody says anything negative about the Chiefs, here come the troops. Like everybody, can you believe it? People are like, you know, it's it's ridiculous, quite frankly. Anytime Patrick Mahomes struggles and somebody points out a mistake, oh my God, they think Patrick Mahomes sucks. No, Patrick Mahomes last year needed to work through something. He's worked through it. He looks fantastic again. That doesn't mean you can't critique what happens. So there's this chip on the shoulder mentality throughout Chiefs kingdom. Like everybody felt that way. The reality is all of those questions were legitimate questions, right? Like these were real questions we had to see, especially when you saw the division. We'll see the Broncos tonight. And especially when, you know, we come into a season where the Chiefs had so much consistency for all these years with Patrick Mahomes. In the Patrick Mahomes era, they've had so much consistency. Well, they didn't have that this year. So it's fine to ask those questions. But, man, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Cut, those guys didn't like hearing those questions. And I think you saw a little of that yesterday. So we know Andy Reid is great coming out of extra time. The Chiefs win openers like every year, right? Like all those things exist. Well, that doesn't exist now coming into week two against a really good opponent on a short week. Like all the things that we liked about them in week one, we got to look at it in a totally different way in week two. And I cannot wait. What a Thursday night opener. Goodness gracious. Getting that game right now will be so much fun. Well, look, I feel like that chip on the shoulder, Kansas City, it starts with Patrick Mahomes the second. I mean, he, he carries that chip, especially when you know, we talked about the, the, the top 100 NFL list a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, whatever, like those things are what they are. But if you're Patrick Mahomes, you got to be hearing everybody talking about guys like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and crowning them as the, the, you know, the, the next generation, the top NFL quarterbacks. And then of course the, the older guys and Brady and Rogers and all of that. And Patrick Mahomes is like, Hey guys, I'm right here and I'm going to go out and show you what I've been doing all along. And ultimately I think the biggest thing it told me was that it doesn't matter who Patrick Mahomes is throwing the football to. It could be one dynamic wideout in Tyreek Hill, or it could be sprinkled among multiple wide receivers. He is a special quarterback. So I guess where I'm at on this and, and, and responding to what you said about chip on the shoulder chiefs kingdom, I think I'm part of that chip on the shoulder oh, chiefs I, kingdom I, a little bit. Like, I come think on, anybody like, that grew up in chiefs kingdom is sure you, you de- you definitely are. And I, it's just an observation that I've made though, because it's been so long, everybody loves it so much, but that doesn't make it unfair criticism, right? And it wasn't even criticism. It's just like observations, right? Like they, they rebuilt I think the it's entire nitpicking. defense. I'm not sure it's observations. I think I think it's nitpicking on who is, you know, a guy who is clearly a, a transformative corner, a quarterback in the NFL and Patrick Mahomes. They, Patrick, who who's ever criticized Patrick Mahomes? Like n- literally nobody has. To say Josh... For somebody to say that they think Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the league is not a criticism of Patrick Mahomes. It's not. It's just a, it's a, it's a compliment to Josh Allen is what it is. But I, and, I, and it's fine. Like, I get it. That's, that's great. Patrick Mahomes uses it very well. It's this identity that they've created. But in a lot of ways, it's false because there aren't very many people except maybe some mouths on, you know, some, some fake debate shows 
that are just looking for a rise on Twitter that would ever say Patrick Mahomes isn't one of the best quarterbacks that ever played football. You're literally not watching football if you would say something like that. But Mahomes uses it well, and they all do. And that's a that's a, like a thing for them. Tom Brady used it. I mean, Tom Brady is is the best chip on the shoulder quarterback that's ever played the game. It's not a bad attribute. It's a great attribute, and it clearly is there. Clearly, but that doesn't mean you can't ask questions. And we had questions that they absolutely answered. Before we switch gears to to some college football storylines, eight six nine twelve forty. I do think. Sky Moore, to me, Sky Moore seems like he's going to be a key cog. I loved what we saw out of Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS. I don't think those guys are going to stay healthy all year. And that's the one thing, because again, I, it, it ain't Hardman for me. Like Hardman's not, he's, he's a gadget guy. And he had a touchdown yesterday. Great. I think that's the kind of player they need him to be. I think they're, we, we got to see Sky Moore get a little bit more, because I am worried about the health of Juju and, and MVS. Um, we got one big play out of him. He's returning punts a little bit. I do think it'll be critical early on in the season for the Chiefs to acclimate him and get him ready because he's going to need to play a big role at some point this year. They've got such depth now at the wide receiver position that they, they've they got, you know, whether it's Sky Moore, assuming Justin Watson is healthy. I, I like him a lot. He had a great preseason. Yeah. I know he exited the game with a chest injury yesterday, but, you know, they, they've got depth. And, and yeah, McCole Hardman is there, too. He, he caught three passes caught a touchdown that that's good uh, I think that they can they can use him in certain situations and and capitalize on the speed that he does have uh, but you know yeah Smith Schuster Valdez Scantling they're both veterans they both have had past injuries before I'm not sure we're going to see a ton of games where both of them are productive at the same time but I, I do think that we're going to I think most games we'll see at least one of them be able to produce. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I like who they've got behind them, though, to be able to fill that gap in case there are injuries. Yeah, it's it's what what a, what an opener for the Chiefs. Couldn't have gone any better. 869-1240, we can take your Chiefs thoughts. We're going to shift gears a little bit. We'll try and spend some time with all the big storylines locally, and we'll go to college football next. Certainly the Jayhawks, a big storyline. Certainly the Wildcats, a big storyline. Plenty to get through in those games. We'll do it next. Chad Chambers taking your calls. What a weekend. And it's only the first of many. Sports Daily, coming right back. Take it easy. We're going on the air. This is Sports Daily on KFH. Football fans can turn a loss into a win with the king of sportsbooks. Just place a single first touchdown score prop bet on any pro football game. If your bet loses, you'll receive up to $25 back in free bets. This offer available all season long. Wager confidently and take your game to the next level with BetMGM. Just log into your account or download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Wager on any player to score the first touchdown in any pro football game. And if your bet misses, you'll get up to $25 back in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Kansas only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Reward issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. 
Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Chest high snap, three-step drop. Looks left, throws left. Intercepted! It's picked off by Kansas, and it's going to be a pick six. A return touchdown, 90 yards to the end zone, and the party's underway. The Kansas Jayhawks with the Hawk Mamba. Jacoby Bryant have stormed back to win it in overtime. (laughs) I was giving him, I said, you're going to get a pick six this week. He says, yes, this is the week. Kobe Bryant. The Hawk Mamba. Did he make a play on that or not, Brandon McAnderson? Brandon celebrating, and this game is over. Wow. Wow. What a game, what a finish. Tommy, I, I think I texted you that. So I'm at the fair this weekend and working our booth, and the fair is an experience. I think we all know that. I've had a, you know, a few <laughs> things to eat, whatever, and all of a sudden it was about, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 minutes before the game. I just get this feeling. I was like, you know what? I'm, KU's going to win this game. KU's going to win this game. I threw down on the money line. And, and I, th- I texted a few, and I was like, this is either gas from the fair food or <laughs> I got this gut feeling that KU's going to do it. And that was wild. And I got to tell you, there were there was plenty to evaluate that KU needs to work on in this game. But the one thing that there is no doubt about for Kansas right now, two weeks in, is that this team is fully bought in and ready to roll and Lance Leipold has things headed in the right direction. For that reason, the fans are bought in the same way. What a, what a win, right? I don't care how they did it. It doesn't matter. At the very beginning of this conversation is what a win for Leipold and the Jayhawks. Yeah, you're still questioning that uh, extension that they gave Leipold a couple of weeks ago? No, uh, I'm not. I'm not questioning the extension. Listen— the extension is fine. It's just the timing of it. Nebraska fired their coach. If they if that extension is what keeps Lance Leipold from Nebraska, I'll I'll say I'm wrong. But I don't think he's going to Nebraska anyway. Because why would anybody go to Nebraska, right? Like why? Unless they're going to double or triple his salary, like nobody's taking that job. Not he. This, no way. So it's fine. I but I don't think that extension leans him one way or the other. If that call ultimately comes, and that's what. It's fine. I'm glad they extended him. I I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. And I've never doubted that he was the right guy. I was ready to take the KU over this year. Who's watched them last year in this offseason and not thought they were headed in the right direction? But it only matters when they win games. And they got a huge win on the road in the conference. It was wild, but they got it done. You may call this an overreaction, and that's fine. I'll I'll own it. Uh, But I'm about ready to lead a charge for Kansas to put up two twin statues outside of Memorial Stadium right now for Lance Leipold and Jalen Daniels. Like, let's put them side by side right in the entrance going into the stadium because those two, I mean, we've not seen a pairing like this at Kansas since Mark Mangino and Todd Reising. And there were passes that Jalen Daniels made in that game against West Virginia, and I know we'll go through and break down exactly what they did offensively and what worked, but, man, he, he is a special quarterback, both with his arm and his legs. And, and like I just said, I, there, there were attempts, there were passes that he made and things that he did 
that I've not seen in 15 years in Kansas football. So that might be an overreaction, but hey, they're 2-0. and it's The last time they were 2-0 and was over a decade ago, so I'm That's allowed great. to overreact. You are allowed to, and so are all Kansas fans. And I and I was texting all my Kansas, you know, alumni buddies like, get hyped up because this is fun. It's been too long. But yeah, that's an overreaction because there were a lot of decisions <laughs> in that game I thought Leipold made that uh were questionable. Doesn't matter, they got it done. And, you know, they're two and zero playing Tennessee Tech and West Virginia, who may be the worst team in the league. So you know, it's an overreaction right now, but it doesn't mean you can't be insanely excited and again this is I, I don't want to be negative Nancy here but what happens if Kansas wins three or four games this year right like are we still going to be able to be allowed to be satisfied by that now that they're two and oh with a win on the road at West Virginia what if they lose to Houston next week right what if the only other win they get on their schedule is Duke those I'm not saying I think that's going to happen but I am saying that's within the realm of possibility based on the league and at that point, will that be satisfying enough? I don't think it will be. There's a danger here for Leipold and the Jayhawks because they're raising the bar very, very quickly when the bar has been in the absolute cellar for a long, long time. Let's not rain on the parade right now. I'm not like, trying to. I mean, I'm not trying on, to rain dude. on like, the parade. I'm not. <laughs> I mean— Look, I, I can't I nobody has a crystal ball to be able to say like, all right, you know, they're, they're going to win three or four games, but they you know, they might grab, you know, one more non-conference victory and, you know, maybe steal another one. Is that going to be enough? Absolutely. It will be enough for this season. One hundred percent. It will be enough because of where the program perennially is. And so I think that the opportunity to be able to, to see that progress, to be able to, to see the forward momentum, the forward movement, the building blocks are there. And I will say also, when you look at what they were able to do against Tennessee tech and then offensively, especially what they were able to do sure. against West Virginia, there's a lot of pieces that are there. I just mentioned Jalen Daniels, but the running attack with Devin Neal, who is the real deal. Daniel Hyshaw had a great game running the football for the Jayhawks. Luke Grimm caught six passes. He was great. They went to Mason Fairchild a couple different times. Quentin Skinner caught a touchdown pass from Jalen Daniels as well. They have the offensive weapons to put up points. Whether or not you're playing against Houston or Duke or a Big 12 opponent, I think the question comes down to what are they able to do defensively? I agree. And, and you know, they in some ways got lucky against West Virginia, but winning road conference games takes luck. Like, I don't, that, I don't even knock them for that. I, I think that, you know, this team's got to learn because they haven't had enough opportunities late how to play late. And, and they made some mistakes. And you know, we were texting back and forth, and we thought they should have gone for it late in the game. And I still think yeah. they should have gone for it. But the reality is they got down 14 nothing, and it didn't phase them. And that's that's a big deal. They The fourth quarter got away from them, and it didn't phase them in overtime. They had a fortuitous call that helped, right, um, late in the game that really helped them. But it happened, and that stuff does happen. I, I'm going to lay out a scenario for you, and I'm okay. not saying I think this will happen. I don't think it will happen. But I think it's very reasonable of a thing to happen. Kansas loses in Houston, beats Duke, and then beats Iowa State at home. So they're 4-1, and one, and then they lose their next seven games. After, after losing seven in a row, and they go four, and what would that be? Four and eight. 
before yep. the season, we would all looked at four and eight and been like, hell yeah, that's awesome. But in that scenario where they win four of their first five and then lose their next seven, what's that going to be like at the end of the year when we get through November? If, I'm that, answer- if something like that were to happen, because again, I think sure. it's within the realm of possibility. Well, I'll answer that with a non-answer. I think it depends on how those seven games play out. If they're playing competitive football, you know, they, and they're, let's they're not assume that they are. There's no reason to sure. assume that they won't. Sure. I mean, again, and I, I, I said this, you know, a week ago when we were leading up to the West Virginia game that the worst possible scenario for Kansas was to get punched in the mouth by West Virginia. Uh, and, and I think that's the way that it, it totally. looks throughout the rest of the season. Like if they can hang with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Kansas State, like the top tier of the Big 12, if they can, well, even if they're losing these games by a touchdown or two, I mean, you know, you're looking at spreads probably of three touch. If they can, if they can cover the, the the spreads, I think that that looks better. Even if they're losing seven games in a row to end the season, yeah. I, and and I don't think they're going to lose big because they did that last year, right? They stayed competitive yeah. last year, which is why we're all on board with Lance Leipold. Uh, I mean, I don't, you know, that that's just the the simple reality of it is they accomplished that. They are nine and a half. I'm just looking here, nine and a half point early dogs in Houston. Um, you know, Houston's coming off a loss to Texas Tech, which was a big win for Tech. Just just so we make that observation, mm-hmm. there's a future Big Twelve opponent here. But I think what we're seeing now that we're, you know, again, I don't want to be Debbie Downer. So now that we throw that all out the window and really look at this and 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 have some fun with the amazing things, and we'll talk to Brian Haney later in the week, that happened in this game of all of it. I mean, they were outgained, right? Um, they, they, they were opportunistic defensively, and they made it count when they had to. But I don't know that they outplayed West Virginia statistically, but that does I don't even care because the one thing that we needed to see out of Kansas and we continue to see out of Lance Leipold's team is that they're going to just keep coming at you. So many times with Kansas over the years, they've looked like just a, like they're just out there going through the motions, like no chance, right? This team now, and we learned this last year, and it's absolutely continued through the offseason and into this year, this team's going to keep coming at you. And they do have the offensive firepower, which we thought that they might, but they do. They have a good quarterback, and they've got an identity now that they're going to keep coming. And and that is that makes all the difference in the world when you're trying to rebuild a program. This team is bought in, and they are coming at it. And even through mistakes last night, they kept going and kept going and kept going. That's more than anything what Kansas has needed over the years that they just haven't been able to capture. Yeah, and I've watched, you know, so much bad Kansas football over the last decade, and this is a a, a different squad, even just watching them on the field. Like, you watch them match up against West Virginia, and you you see the, the body types and the body sizes at the line on both sides of the football, and you're like, all right, these guys actually look the part a little bit more than what they have done in, in years past. I think that's that's a testament to the recruiting and the transfer portal and all of that that Lance Leipold has, uh, has utilized in his tenure there. But uh, on top of that, you know, they – there were times where, you know, you get late in the game. And I think this is the defining factor. And I, I want to be very clear about this because I, I saw this 
to an extent towards the end of last season when they beat Texas, they hung with Oklahoma, they hung with West Virginia, they hung with TCU, and then of course, you know, defeating West Virginia over the weekend. Late in games, in the past, Kansas did not have the depth in the bodies to be able to hang through four quarters of football. You know, like they, they might hang for a half, they might even hang for three quarters, but when it comes down to it, more often than not, they just didn't have the guys to be able to go for four quarters and potentially win a football game. Like there were so many times that I would think they just don't, they don't have them. They don't have the guys. They're going to get tired. They're going to get gassed. There's going to be injuries. They don't have depth and they don't have the playmakers to come in through, you know, come in in the clutch. That's different now, I feel like, with Kansas. We saw that over the weekend. They got down by 14 points early on, and they had the guys, they had the depth to be able to get back in that game and then hang on. I know that there were you know, a couple of questionable decisions and then overtime and all of that, which honestly, Kansas should have won that game in, in regulation, but whatever, they got the victory in overtime. But they have the guys now to be able to make it work and hang late in a game, which is something we haven't seen in a long time from Kansas. And they have the drive and the buy-in to to not flinch when those mistakes are made and to just keep coming at you. And and there's an identity in that without ex- with, with the expectations as low as they possibly can be coming in. Kansas will have the advantage in every game that they play that nobody's going to give them a chance because everybody just remembers what Kansas has been. Everyone's just going to be like, ah, it's Kansas, right? Kansas is nine-and-a-half-point dogs at home to a Houston team that lost to Texas Tech and barely beat UTSA. UTSA has been a good program. I'm not knocking UTSA. But that team is a nine-and-a-half-point home favorite over Kansas. Kansas on the road again, back-to-back road weeks, all those things. I get it. But Kansas is just never going to – they're not going to get the love all year because of what's happened in the past. And this is a team that seems like its DNA will use that and use that very well, a coach that will embrace that. Those are good things for the future of Kansas football. And Kansas fans, man, I hope you guys are enjoying every second of this because you've deserved it. Uh, K-State football, we're going to go at them at the top of the hour so we make sure we have a full segment on K-State football. Coming up in our next segment, I want Tommy's biggest uh, takeaway, overreaction, whatever it is, from the NFL weekend that was. NFL week one observations coming up next on Sports Daily. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily, KFH, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Chad Chambers producing for us. 869-1240 is the number for you to call if you'd like to 
be a part of the program today. We'll get to K-State at the top of the next hour. Big, big win for the Cats. We'll break it down. Thoughts, observations. But as far as observations go, I want the zaniest observation you made over the weekend, Tommy. Uh, NFL Week 1 was flipping nuts, as it always is, with betting involved in it, which made it even more stressful. Uh, But it was wild and crazy. What is your biggest takeaway that you're just like, I've had enough, I've seen it, here's what's going to happen with this that might seem a little crazy right now? I can tell you right now who the champion of the NFC will be, and it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings. They were the only team in the NFC that actually looked dominant in their week one game. We we saw the other teams that, you know, have been favored like the Rams just get absolutely blown out in that opening game on, on Thursday night football. The Buccaneers looked okay at times, but they were playing against a Dallas team that is just not good outside of Mark Micah Parsons. And you know, all of the, the issues with Dak Prescott, of course, going to be out for a few weeks now, as far as I'm concerned, the way that Minnesota with Kirk You like that Cousins and Justin Jefferson with Dalvin Cook running the football, the way that they dismantled Green Bay, they will win the NFC. Uh, I've liked the Vikings all along. Um, I'm not sure if I'm ready to go there yet, but they absolutely could. I'll stick in the NFC, and the Rams lost. I think the Rams are going to be fine. The Packers lost. I think the Packers are going to be fine. But the Cowboys are not fine. And I didn't think they were fine coming into this year. I don't know what anybody thought about the – and I'm a Cowboys fan. I was talking to a lot of Cowboys fans' buddies yesterday. And my point has always been, I don't know what anybody thought was going to happen. The roster got definitively worse, and they they kept the same crappy coaches. Like, what, what did you think was going to happen this year? <laughs> Before Dak even broke his hand last night, what a terrible game plan and terrible execution. And the injuries. And the roster got worse and older. Like, what did anybody think was going to happen with the Cowboys this year? That was a hot garbage game plan going in, and it was hot garbage in the execution of the game plan. It was. You know, The Bucks have had the number one run defense, right, for three years, two or three years now. You were never going to run the ball on them. You are never going to win that game by pounding it down their throat. You have to be able to throw the ball, and they couldn't. And so I, I think my wildest observation is I don't, I don't think the Cowboys are going to win six games this year. I think it's going to wow. get that bad. And yeah, Dak's out, but it, like they're going to be picking in the top 10 of the draft next year. How about that? I mean, that's wow. how bad it's going to get for Dallas this year. It's going to get ugly, and H- Sean Payton H- will be coaching the Cowboys next year, by the way. <laughs> it sure would be nice if Jimmy Garoppolo was available for Dallas uh, to maybe fill yeah. in a little bit here. But, I mean, who they're going to go Cooper Rush, it looks like. Um, man, at, at this point, you'd maybe want to pull Andy Dalton out of whatever coffin he's been in for the last couple of years and have him come to Dallas and, and play for a few weeks. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a dumpster fire in Dallas. The season is over for the Cowboys before it even got started. And I mentioned Micah Parsons. He looked really good. And, and, yeah, and keep in mind, yeah. the – the Tampa Bay offensive line, the piecemeal O-line that they've got there was not very good. They were able to get pressure on Tom Brady a few different times in that game. I think that with all of the nationally televised games that Dallas will inevitably have this year, the only reason I'm going to watch is to see what Micah Parsons can do. He's a stud. He is a bona fide superstar. Now, I will say, too, um, 
I have some people like, let's blow it up and go get the best quarterback. Now, they pl- they may play themselves into an uncomfortable situation for Dak Prescott. I do think they're a team, though, that's a classic case of just they're going to suck this year, but they've got a lot of ways to get better in the offseason. And they do have, you know, CeeDee Lamb's a great player. Uh, they- they've got some really, really good players still on the roster. But this year, going to be garbage. All right, let's go back to college football. K-State fans, get ready. Ema, baby, got to be feeling good after that win over Missouri. I think some takeaways, though, of concern, perhaps. We'll go there next. Sports Daily continues on KFH. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.